Hi, I'm Anne Marie. And I'm a grateful member of this worldwide fellowship. And that's amazing um, that it's worldwide. And uh, I so want to thank everybody who put this together, Carolyn and Kay and her husband, John, and um, the committee. You know, a lot of work goes into these conferences. And, you know, it's, it all happens because people say yes. People step up. They be of service. And if you're not of service, you need to step up. <laughs> That's what I have to say. Um, so I'm really grateful to be here. And, um, and I really do want to thank Melinda um, because the thing that I thought was so wonderful um, is it's such a testimony to her program, the fact that she was willing to go any lengths, any lengths. And I thought, how wonderful. I mean, she even called me up and asked me, you know, well, what do you like to eat? And I thought, <laughs> okay, I guess we're getting a little personal here. And I kept getting these phone calls, and <clears throat> finally I thought, you know, I, 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 we need to get on the same page. <clears throat> That's what I tell my, my girls who I sponsor. You know, we need to get on the same page. Um, <clears throat> this July, I will be celebrating 24 years in this program. Thank you. <clears throat> and the only reason why it's 24 years is because I keep coming back. And what I was told was that in every Al-Anon meeting, there's a chair with your name on it. You just have to keep coming back. Um, I love an alcoholic. Um, I grew up with an alcoholic. I think they're fascinating. They're wonderful. And then when you get them, you can't get rid of them. Um, <clears throat> I kind of want to go back to the beginning a little bit. Um, I was born in North Carolina, and I had a real thick accent. And when you asked me my name, I'd say, hi, I'm Anne Marie. <laughs> and, um, and my parents, I will say, are not alcoholics. Um, my older brother is an alcoholic drug addict. And I can call him that today because he identified himself in the rooms of AA. Um, unfortunately, he is no longer in the rooms. He's what I call a slipper. He kind of slips in and slips out and slips in. But he was in the program for about 13 years, and I'll get to that a little bit later. Um, so my childhood was really great, you know, living in the South. And, you know, it was wonderful. It was really fun. I had a great time. And... Um, uh, we had a, a, a neighbor across the street that I used to go play with. And, um, you know, when I look back and I remember doing my fourth step, you know, my childhood was really wonderful. And I really enjoyed it. There was a lot I didn't know what was going on, though. You know, I come from a family of four. I am the baby. And, um, and so uh, two boys, two girls. And my brothers were the oldest. And, you know, there was a funny thing that um, my brothers were never really around. And then I was just kind of shuffled off to go to the neighbor to go play, and her name was Winky. Why her name was Winky, I don't know. <laughs> but I loved Winky, and she had a room full of toys, and it was wonderful. And then what happened is, um, you know, my brother, my older brother is 10 years older than I am, and, um, and then what happened was he, um, you know, he never was really around. He just wasn't around. Um, I come from a very European background. You know, Beverly uh, was talking yesterday about the Italians. Well, I'm Italian and Spanish, and I like to say, uh, we are the loud family. <laughs> you know, we, all, we talk loud, you know, um, and there's no such thing as screaming. You know, we just talk loud, and um, <laughs> at least that's what we used to say. You know, it's not screaming. You know, I had friends come over in high school, and they were like, you know, you guys are screaming at each other. And I'm like, no, we're not. We're talking. We're talking. <laughs> You know, we're talking. And, um, and so what happened is um, after being in North Carolina, um, we moved up to New Jersey. So now you can imagine taking this real little southern belle named Anne Marie and moving to Jersey. 
you know. It's like you got to get with the program real quick, you know. And um, so uh, I did. I had to get with the program real quick, you know, because I come from an alcoholic home, and I feel unwanted, unloved, and alone. And I try to do everything perfect. And so I got real involved in high school, you know. In fact, when we graduated uh, high school, the senior class, you know, high school book uh, was basically the Anne Marie Ravens book because I was in everything. You named it, I did it. You know, soccer, I played. You know, chorus, I did it. Oh, there's a play, I'll do it. SGO, Spanish club, Italian club, you know, I just did everything. And part of that was because I just didn't want to be home, you know. I didn't want to be home. And, um, and, and as you all know, this disease uh, progresses, and it gets worse before it gets better. And, you know, cops would come to our house looking for my brother, and, you know, and then there was a period where my, my older brother just wasn't around. You know, he wasn't around. And uh, I just was real involved with all my activities, and, um, and I loved that. And then... Um, and then I graduated high school, and the funny thing was, is it wasn't until years later that a lot of people that I hung around with, they also had alcoholism, we found later on in our house, in their homes. And, um, you know, we all stick together, you know? And that's the one thing I do want to talk about. I want to talk about, you know, anonymity. You know, when I walked into these rooms and, you know, everybody started, you know, talking about their secrets. We didn't talk about their secrets. You didn't hang your dirty laundry out. And I remember when I first went to one meeting and people were talking about their secrets. And I thought, oh, how can they be talking about their secrets? They're not supposed to be talking about their secrets. <laughs> and, um, and then what I realized is, you know, that anonymity, you know, whom you see here, what you hear here, when you leave here, let it stay here, here, here. And, I, and that's really important, you know, and I learned that lesson. Um, when I went to a meeting, I saw a gentleman, he was going to Al-Anon, and he didn't want his wife to know. And I remember going into a grocery store, and I saw him, and he was with his wife. And he kind of looked at me, and I, I, I was so excited to see him, and I wanted to go over to say hello. And he just nodded his head, and I just walked right by. And then when I went to the meeting that week, he came over, and he gave me a big hug, and he said, thank you so much, Amory. You know, and that's working the program, and that's keeping someone's anonymity. So... Just to move forward, so I went to high school and after high school and being really, really involved. And, you know, my childhood and, and growing up was great. You know, my parents provided us with so much and, you know, a lot of culture and arts. And, you know, it was just great, you know. And my dad um, was a professional. My mom was a professional. And, you know, so on the, out, you know, on the outside, it all looked really wonderful. But on the inside, it was a mess, you know. It was a real mess. And um, I remember when my older brother would bring his friends, there was just something kind of about them that was a little bit sleazy or a little bit off or, you know, they were a little gla too glassy-eyed or, you know, their words were a little swirled or, you know, there's just something off. But I was attracted to those kind of men. <laughs> so I decided I needed to get me one. So I went down um, after I graduated uh, high school and I went to college. Um, there was a period where I decided to, um, to go down to the shore, because we don't call it the beach. It's the shore in Jersey, all right? So let's get one thing straight. It's the shore. So I went down to the shore, and um, here I am in my 20s, and I go into this club, and there he is, you know? There's, there's my man. And, um, you know, they have this way about them and just handsome and charisma and just, just a tall glass of water that you just want to drink all day long. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> so I... Um, so I met this man, and, um, and thus began our roller coaster. And it was fun. Oh, it was so much fun. And so we were dating for the summer, and, you know, and time goes by, and I'm falling in love, and I'm thinking, I've got the house and the wedding, and, you know, I've got everything planned. 
you know, everything planned. And um, and then uh, and so we start talking about that. And then I say to him, you know, so you know, where's our future going? Where are we going? He says, Well, I got a little something I got to tell you. I said, Okay. He said, Well, I'm kind of married a little bit. <laughs> kind of married a little bit. Now, what's that mean? I'd like to hear the definition of that. And what happened was um, he was an alcoholic and cocaine addict, and basically his wife had kicked him out, and they were in the middle of a divorce. But I didn't know that. And, um, and so, of course, I was very young and naive. I was in my 20s, and um, I wanted to save and help this man. And so... Um, you know, I couldn't understand why he kept giving me all these different phone numbers, you know, to contact him. And what he was is he was just bouncing around to all his friends. And, um, and then it got real bad. You know, he started coming over my house and, you know, he'd be high or he'd be drunk. And, and, um, and then there was a point where I just, I just couldn't take it anymore. And so I asked him to leave. And it was the worst day of my life. Because when I asked him to leave and he walked out the door, I thought, what am I doing? I just let go my Prince Charming. <laughs> my, my prince on my white horse just went away. And, um, and I thought, that's it. And I cried tremendously. And I was alone. And I was afraid. And I had nobody to call and nobody to share. And, um, and then three days later, he called me, and he said, Hi, I love you, and I am in a rehab, and I hope that when I get out, you'll be there. <laughs> yes! I am in love! And uh, so he went into the rehab, and I need to tell you, the rehabs in New Jersey are nothing like the rehabs in California. The rehabs in California, I think they should just call them a spa, a resort. <laughs> nothing like, you know, nothing like the rehabs in New Jersey. And they're actually, you know, I went to visit him, and it's, it's actually at the Marlboro State facility, Jail facility. They have like a little home that's on the 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 land there, and uh, you had to go through this huge, uh, uh, felt like I was in the airport with the T, you know, TSA, and you had to go through um, questioning, and, they, and it was really difficult, you know, and I thought, God, all this to see him, but the, the thing was, I couldn't see him unless I went to this meeting, and it was called an Al-Anon meeting. Now, you can imagine a Jersey girl in the 80s, with real long nails and real high hair and real high shoes, telling her she's got to go to this meeting before you get to see your man. And I'm like, what, are you kidding me? What do I got to do? I got to do what now? I got to go to this meeting and sit with these strangers? I don't know, because I, I want to see my man. I'm here to see my man. So, I go to this meeting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me the literature. Thank you very much. And I get to see him. So I'm so excited, you know. Now, the rule is you can't touch each other. What do you mean? I want to, he's my man. I want to give him a hug. What do you mean I can't touch him? What, what, what do you got, rules now? So I go and I see him and we have to, you know, sit, you know, like a couple feet away from each other and I'm like, okay, I'm following the rules because I'm a good girl. You know, I know the rules. And see, that's the difference between Al-Anon and AA. <laughs> we follow the rules. They like to color out of the line. So, of course, we're getting, you know, we're getting ready to leave, and I get up, and, you know, I give a little wave, like, bye, and he grabs me, and he kisses me, 
And I'm like, oh, my God. They broke the rules. And they're like, that's it. You are done. You can't see them anymore. And I was like, what? Now, you don't tell a Jersey girl she can't see her man. And I was like, I don't believe this. So now I can't come see you because you went and you kissed me. And you know what? That wasn't even a really good kiss. And if I'm going to get a good kiss, you know what? This, and now I can't go. So all the way down the corridor, I am screaming, are you kidding me? And I can't believe this. And, this, and now, unbelievable, I can't see you and you kiss me. And, you know, and of course he's standing at the end of the corridor and he's like, you know, she really loves me. I was infuriated. So then they tell me that I got to keep coming back, you know. I said, keep coming back for what? And they said, you got to go to meetings. I said, okay. So fr a Friday night, I walked into a women's bayhead, me bayhead meeting in New Jersey. And I walked in. And, of course, in Jersey, during that time... <laughs> We got real high here. So I walk in this meeting. I'm like, hi. Here we go again. I'm here for this meeting. And this lady looks at me and she says, sit down. And shut up. So now I got to sit down. I got to shut up. I'm like, I don't know if I like this. So I sat down, and I shut up. And then after the meeting was done, she's like, go home. Give me a hug. Go home. Pray. And I'll see you next week. And my response to that was, all right. So came back next week. She gave me a big hug. She said the same thing. Sit down. And shut up. <laughs> what is this? I need a list. I got things I got to say. I got to fix him. I need to tell him what to do, and then we're going to be all right. Because you know what? He is causing a lot of problems. And, and I know how to fix this. And this needs to be fixed. Right away. So I get to the meetings, and it, they keep asking me, how, how am I doing? I'm like, how am I doing? What do you mean, how am I doing? My man, he was in rehab. He gave me a kiss. It was awful. You know? <laughs> how am I doing? What do you think? How am I doing? So here I keep going to these meetings. Because they keep telling me, go to these meetings. I go to these meetings. Every time they ask me, how am I doing? All I keep talking about is him. Well, he did this, and he did that, and he did this, and he, and, you know, I had the hee-hees. Hee-hee-hee-hee-hee-hee. <laughs> you know? And those newcomers, you know you, when you come in, you see them, they're all like, <laughs> they're like ready to explode, you know. You're like, just you sit down, darling, you sit down right here next to me, you know. So she asked me, you know, how you doing? And I talked about him. And she gave me a big old hug. And I come back next week, and she'd ask me how I'm doing, she'd give me a big old hug. And then one day she asked me how I was doing, I said, you know, I'm not doing very well. I'm having a hard time. And I said, my life's been affected by alcoholism. And she said, you know what, kid, you, you got it. And thus began my walk on this journey of a spiritual transformation. Because it is the program. It is the willingness to surrender to the spiritual discipline of this program when you shall be transformed. It is active participation in the 12 steps that allow you to be transformed. And nobody else is going to do that work for you except you. And that's your journey and your path. And you don't do it by yourself. And that's what I love. Are there any newcomers here today? If so, raise your hand.
I want to welcome you. And don't you leave this room without giving me a hug. (laughs) I want to welcome you and say that today is the first day of the rest of your life that you never, ever have to do anything alone or by yourself. And that was a gift when I heard that when I came into these rooms. I never, ever have to do anything by myself. I want to thank the long-timers, because it's the long-timers in these rooms that have led the path and led the way and have allowed me to walk behind them or beside them, I like to say, because they have cleared the branches and have I can walk in their footsteps. So if you've got a long-timer that's in your meeting, thank them because that meeting is probably still there because of them and they get to pass the torch and that's a big responsibility and if you're a sponsor wonderful and if you're a sponsee then thank your sponsor because that person is willing is willing to walk the steps with you because when we willingly surrender to the spiritual discipline of this program we are transformed And we don't do it by ourselves. And so I kept going to that meeting. And this woman came in. Her name was Edith. And she was very tall. And she was very strong. And yet there was this wonderful softness and calmness to her. Because when she talked about the disease um, and her ex-husband, how it was all around her, I was just astounded by her sense of peace and calm and tranquility. And I wanted that because my life was crazy, you know, and my man was going to be coming home in a couple months. And I didn't know what to do. And so I I asked this woman to be my sponsor. And she said, I will walk beside you. And when you fall down, I want you to reach up to God. I want you to hold the hand of God. And I said, okay. And she said, I want you to come to meetings. And I want you to read the literature. And this is my ODAD. (laughs) And it's worn. And the one thing that is a testament to someone who's working a good program, I've been told, is that your books are worn and you are not. So, so we started working the program, and we started working the steps, one step at a time. And the first three steps are giving up steps. I'm told that I'm not alone, that I have a higher power. And that's my relationship, and I love that. I love that I have a relationship with my higher power, of my understanding, and you do too. And no one can touch that relationship. And then I get to to walk these steps and when I'm having a hard time I get to hold on to the handrail and the handrail are the slogans you know easy does it first things first so when I'm having a hard time stepping up those steps I got a handrail handrail excuse me to hold on to and so I get to work the steps little by little and you know I started working the steps and I still had a little bit of the hee hees and you know and I remember going into to Edith's home, and we spent a lot of time, you know, walking on the shore, and, you know, I remember doing my fourth step, and after doing the fourth step and writing it, you know, we would rip it up and, and, you know, give it to God, and it was a wonderful journey, and then one day I was standing in her kitchen, I was like, you know, he's doing this, and he's doing that, and this ain't working, and I need this list, and I keep going to the meetings, and they're not giving me the list to give him for the things he's got to do for me. And, uh, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And so she looked at me one day, and she said, what's your favorite color? I said, uh, what kind of ice cream do you like? You know? How do you like to cut your hair? What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite this? What's your favorite that? You know what? I didn't have the answers. And she says, you know, you've got some work to do. I said, okay. So I started doing that. started working on myself. I started putting the focus on myself. 
And then she'd, I'd call her up and she'd tell me things like, I'd be talking about an issue and a problem, and she'd be like, good, now go clean your sock drawer, and uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> I got a problem here. I'm not cleaning out my sock drawer. What, are you kidding me? And I did what she said. I cleaned out my sock drawer. If she told me to jump, I asked how high. And you know, it all started off with cleaning my sock drawer because I started putting the focus back on myself. And when I got busy, my life got better. And so I started cleaning out my sock drawer and then I started focusing on some other things. And then one day I sat in her kitchen and I just said, you know what? started having a little bit of the hee-hees again. And she looked right at me and she said, Anne-Marie, you need to get a life. Get a life. I thought, okay. So I got in a car. I drove 3,000 miles to California. Um, but I did end that relationship with that gentleman. And the reason, one of the reasons why I did end that relationship with that gentleman is I went to my father. And I asked my father. I had a great relationship with my father. And I went to my father and I said, you know what, Dad? I'm not sure about this man. You know, he's been married. He has kids. This is his second marriage. He's 10 years older than I am. And, you know, and, and I was just kind of weighing the pros and the cons because, you know, I learned how to do that and write that list. And, and so, um, so he looked right at me and he said, you know, my daughter is a first. She's a number one. And you deserve to have the first of everything. And that was my answer. And I said, thank you, Dad. And he says, because I see you, and you're my first. And I want another gentleman who sees you, that you're his first. So I was able to break off that relationship and, uh, in, and in a very healthy way, which I never did before. You know, I was the kind of person that, you know, I remember I dated a guy in high school, and uh, I was talking on the phone with him, and he hung up on me. I was like, you don't hang up on me. I'm like, what are you kidding? So I got in my car. I drove all the way to his house. I knocked on his door. He answered the door. And I said, you don't hang up on me when I call you. And then I got back in my car. I drove all the way home. And then I called him back. Now, if that is not the definition of insanity, I don't know what is. So I was a little crazy when I came into these rooms. And I know I can pick some of you out. You did the same thing. Uh -huh. We have the potential to be phenomenal stalkers. I always say we, we should, like, they should have, like, another division in the FBI. That, that is for, you know, Al-Anon, because we can find you. We know what time you had your first drink and where, to, where you go. We're so good at that. You know what? I'll never forget when, um, when I was dating my qualifier. I don't call him my alcoholic anymore. It's so funny how, you know, we want to own them so much. You know, I remember coming in the rooms. I was like, my alcoholic. You know, mine, I shall possess you. I want you. So um, I remember when, uh, when we were dating and, uh, and we were going through this process and, you know, Edith was helping me, you know, work through the steps. And, and I said, you know, I'm just so angry at him. I'm so angry at him. I love him. I hate, you know, I love him so much I want to kill him. Because <laughs> he is mine. And... Um, and I remember she said, you're not allowed to say anything except, oh. <laughs> so I said, okay. And so he'd respond, and he'd say something to me, and I'd be like, oh. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. And one day he looked at me and he said, is that all you're going to say? And I went, oh. 
So I learned how to take the cotton out of my ears and put it in my mouth. And I also learned that I was only allowed to say things once. And they had to be said in at least one to three sentences. I said, I'm from Jersey. We don't do that. I said, hi. So Edith taught me, you know, how to walk with a sense of dignity and grace. And I remember when she first said that to me. She said, I want you to walk. Learn how to walk with dignity and grace and become the woman that you want to be. (laughs) All right. And I didn't know what that meant, you know. And today, um, today I'm really proud of the fact that, you know, I really believe and I really try to walk with a with a state of grace. And um, and and there are days that that's that's good. And there's days that that's difficult. And the wonderful thing is I can stand up here because I work an honest program, and say that that sometimes some days it's easy and some days it's not, you know. But I do the best I can, and I do it one day at a time. And for the beginners, I don't do it by myself. You know, I get to reason it out with someone else. So I moved forward. I moved forward and I went to California. When I got to California, I had lots of difficulties. And if somebody would have said to me, okay, you're going to go to California, you're going to have three major car accidents, you're going to have it go through an earthquake, Um, uh, one of your sponsees is going to pass away, Uh, your dad's going to pass away, um, you're going to be homeless, uh, you're going to lose your job, you're going to be unemployed, then you're going to have another job, and then after you have that job, then you're going to lose that other job. Um, but in the meantime, you're going to ride the bus because then you're going to have another accident, and um, so forth and so on. I would have never gone to California. <laughs> but that's the wonderful thing about the program, you know. When I was going cross-country, even though I was going to California and going to a place that I did not know, I already had a family there, my Al-Anon family. And I had the great honor and privilege to be able to walk um, this journey across country with one of my brothers who is also today in Al-Anon, and we share the same language. And, um, you know, when I, when I got there and when we were going across country, we actually stopped at different meetings across the way which was great. I didn't get stopped down here in Texas, though. I scared you all. <laughs> so um, when I got to Al-Anon, when I got to California, I already knew my Al-Anon family was there, and I was just so excited. And so I'd go to the rooms, and I'd say, Hi, you know, I'm Anne-Marie. How are you? And, uh, and their meetings were an hour and a half. And they had a coffee break. And I was like, what? I got to talk. I'm like, here we go again? And then they had a timer for three minutes. And I'm like, timer? Now you got a coffee break. Now you're timing me and saying, you know, I can only talk for for two minutes. And then there's a beep. And then you got to wrap it up. And I was just like, oh, God. You know? I'm like, I thought this was going to be easy and not harder. I'd call up Edith and go, they got a timer. <laughs> She's like, you keep going, you keep going, keep coming back. But see, what was really wonderful about that timer is I learned how to listen. And I learned how not to babble. And I learned how to talk and how to be precise. So when I was confronting someone or talking to someone, I could get on the same page with them. So coming back to a meeting wasn't just coming back and sitting in a seat. It was coming back and really learning and listening. The thing that I love about long timers in, in a meeting, and a couple of us went out to dinner last night and the speakers, and I'm so honored and privileged to, to do that. Um, we were sitting around the table and we realized there was about 100 years, which is great. So get to a meeting, make sure there's there's at least over 100 years of wisdom. You know, I stand here today because of all the wisdom in the rooms that I've learned. And every time I go to a meeting, I always say, where's the gem? Where's the pearl? You know, because I'm still a student. It doesn't matter that it's 24 years. What matters is, you know, am I still learning? Am I still growing? You know, I get to continue 
to take my inventory on a daily basis, you know, and learn how to walk in a state of grace. So I went to California and also to pursue my career. And when I got there, I got in this really bad car accident. And I broke my leg. And after I broke my leg, um, where I was living, I was living in this little guest house. I totaled my car, I lost my job. And then the uh, landlord came and said, you know, Amory, I just can't handle this. So here's your two week notice. So I thought, great, you know what? Uh, I have a broken leg. Uh, I'm bedridden. I can't even sleep in my car because I don't have a car. Um, I got to get out of my house and I don't have a job. So I called up Edith. You know, I reached out because when someone somewhere reaches out, let the hand of Al-Anon be there. Always be there. And so I reached out and her response was, what a blessing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and she hung up the phone. She said, I'll talk to you tomorrow. She hung up the phone. And I thought, what a blessing. And then all of a sudden, my jersey came out. What, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I thought, okay. Because in every negative is a positive. And God's hand works in wonderful ways and miracles. Well, at the time, I had been working with a company, and, um, and they knew about my situation. So what they did is there were about 30 of them, and they got together, and what they said is, you know, we'll cook, each person will cook Amory a meal and bring it home to her. So every day, I had someone that would bring me a hot meal that I could share with, and then they helped me move, you know. And, uh, and I remember they all came, there were like 30 of them, and they, you know, loaded up my little guest house and moved to a, we moved to another apartment. And I remember they were like, Amory, you're going to stay right here on the bed. And I'm like, okay. You know, in the meantime, it's like I had a big old sling, and, I, and my head had, you know, I had gone through the windshield, so I had this big wrap on my head, and, you know, and I had a cast. And, you know, I'm like, okay, 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 you know. And they're like, well, we're going to just put you on the back of the truck here you know, with, with the mattress. I'm like, great, you know, and I got on, you know, they lift me up, they put me on the mattress and, you know, we're going real slow to the, to the, to the new apartment. And all of a sudden I look up and I see the skies and I see the flowers and I think, what a blessing. What a blessing. You know, I'm not by myself, you know, and God takes care of me. And, um, and then I remember, you know, I moved into the new apartment, and I'm in the shower, you know, and uh, my girlfriend, one of my girlfriends came over, and we wrapped me up in plastic so I could take a shower, you know. And I remember being in the shower, and I'm thinking, right, how am I going to wash myself now? And I lean over, and you know those little pumps with the soap? I go to do the pump, and I'm thinking to myself, what a blessing. <laughs> And that's where it started, you know, that in every negative is a positive. And, um, and God is good. You know, God is good. And then the young lady came to me one day, and she asked me to be her sponsor. And I said, yes. And uh, we worked the steps. And I worked the steps like Edith taught me. I read the literature. Because she told me that any problem you have or any situation you're in, Someone has either gone before it with you and can talk with you about it, or the answers are in the literature. So I took a literature commitment so I could read all the literature. And, you know, when I remember when I came into the program, there weren't a lot of young women. There were three. And I remember it was Christine, myself, and another young lady, and then she stopped going to meetings. So when I came out here to California, I was so excited because, like, after 10 years of being in the program, all of a sudden all these young people started coming to the program, you know? And I thought, what a blessing. What a blessing. So this young woman asked me to be her sponsor, and we walked through the steps how I was taught. 
And then what happened was um, she got cancer, and um, and I was able to walk through it with her, and um, and she passed away. And I'll tell you, at one point when I was in the hospital, all I kept thinking to myself was, you know, I don't know who the teacher or the student is right now, but I was just so open, and um, she taught me, you know, how to have dignity and integrity, and I really learned what it is to walk in a state of grace. And I'm so grateful to that woman. And, um, and I said goodbye to her the one night. And her parents, you know, of course, came to the hospital. And they were active alcoholics. And uh, they, they kept coming to the hospital drunk. And then um, the one day when I saw that she was getting really bad, uh, the next day when they came to the hospital and they were, uh, they were drunk, they had a little too much to drink, I sat them down and I said, tomorrow you are not going to have one drink. I said, you're going to come to this hospital sober, and you're going to say goodbye to your daughter sober. And they said, okay. I said, come in the morning. I said, if you want to have a drink afterwards, you can. I said, but your daughter deserves that. And they did. They came to the hospital, and uh, they, they were shaken, and they were nervous. And I remember the mother said, I have no idea what to say. I said, just speak with your heart. And that was the last time I saw her name was Lori. But I can't stand here and talk about my program without talking about Lori because she was really a gift and I sponsored her for nine years. What a blessing. What a blessing. And I really believe that that prepared me later on because um, a couple of years ago um, I got a phone call from my mom and my dad was real sick. And uh, when I got in the plane, and I was packing, I knew that he was going to pass away. And at the time, I had 17 years in the program. And when I got off the elevator and I was walking down the corridor in the hospital, the first thought that came into my mind is what Edith said, that if you don't work a program at home, you don't have a program. Because working your program at home is going to be the hardest place you're going to have to work your program. And as I'm walking down that corridor, all I could think of was 17 years, and it's got to count. Because if I don't work my program right now, right at this moment, then I don't have a program. And I was able to do the things that I learned in this program. I learned to suit up and show up. I learned to say kind words. I did the do's and not the don'ts. I didn't scold or nag or, or complain, you know. I did a lot of praying, you know, because I learned in this program what to do and what not to do and what to say and what not to say. And so I was able to be present, you know, and nobody knew what to do. And so um, I took control. I took control, and I did that for my father. And, you know, the wonderful thing was there was a, there was a time period where I said everybody's going to have a night to be with my father, everybody, just you and dad in the hospital. And at the time, he was on the machine, and, and we knew he was going to pass away. Well, I don't know if my mom did. And, um, and so what happened was the doctors kept telling me what was going on, and my brother came to the hospital, and he was drunk, and he was screaming, and I just let him be, you know. I just let him be. And he was crying, and, you know, he looked at me, and he said, You know, Anne-Marie, my dad is dying. And I said, Yeah, mine too. Mine too. And so on a Saturday evening, because I learned in this room when two or more gathered, I said, I want everybody to come to the hospital. And they all came to the hospital, and we all stood around the bed. And it was as if, you know, we had a meeting, because that's what I was taught in these rooms. And we were able to say all the wonderful things. And I said, this is our opportunity to just tell Dad whatever you want to say. And we did that two times. And it was a nice way to say goodbye. And then, um, and then the next day, uh, the doctors came and said, you know, we're going to you know, we're going to take the tubes out, we're going to do that on the Monday, and you need to tell your mom. And I have to say, that's one of the hardest conversations I've ever had in my life. 
How do you tell someone who's been married for 51 years that the love of their life, they have to let them go? That's a hard conversation. But you know what I've learned in this program? I don't do it alone. So I went into the living room, and I sat in the living room, and I prayed, because that's what I learned in this program. And I asked God to do for me what I couldn't do for myself. And I asked God to allow me to be an instrument for his will and to say what I needed to say. And my mom came in, and I said, Mom, I need to talk to you. She said, okay, just give me a minute. And then she did what she needed to do, and she came back in, and she said, well, let's, let's go in the, in the bedroom. And she sat on the bed, and I sat there. And I've also learned in this program that you only say what you need to say in one or three sentences. And I said, Mom, he loved you so. And it's time to let him go. And that's all I said. And that's all that needed to be said. What a blessing. What a blessing. And so then the next day we went, and I got to hold my dad's hand. And I got to watch him take his last breath. What a blessing. Because in every negative is a positive. And that's a gift. That was a gift. And so then, you know, I had a great relationship with my, with my father as a result of this program. We could talk about anything. And today, I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm so good with my dad. You know, we would talk about men and talk about sex and talk about career and talk about friends. I mean, we talked about everything, arts and sciences. But it's because of this program, the relationship that I had with him. And I was able to let that, you know, let him go peacefully, you know. What a blessing. What a blessing. And then after that, um, you know, things became quite difficult. And I shared this a couple years ago when I spoke in Texas. Um, but I have a program, you know, and I get to work my program. And I don't have to do it by myself. And I get to reason it out with someone else. Um, a couple years ago, um, I, lost my, I lost my job. And after I lost my job, um, you know, uh, my rent and my apartment went up, and I couldn't afford it. And I called up Edith, and I told her. <laughs> and she said, what a blessing. <laughs> and I reached out to the program, because that's what we do. We reach out. And about 30 or 40 people from the program, I just would say, hey, I'm moving. Don't know what I'm doing. Got to put my stuff in storage. No problem. People came, everybody helped me, you know, everybody helped me. I didn't have to pay for a thing. I didn't even have to pay for tape for the boxes. People brought boxes and paper and tape and packed me up and I put all my stuff in storage. And then when my apartment was empty, I got on my knees and I said a third step prayer. I made a decision to turn my life and my will over to God because I continue to take my inventory on a daily basis. And my prayer to God was, you know what? Keep me safe. Let me have a place to lie my head and a place to clean and wash and suit up and show up. So for about two years, I bounced around from place to place to place to place just by the generosity of asking people from these rooms. I need a place to stay. No problem, Amory. You can stay at my place for two weeks. I put it on my calendar. What a blessing. Oh, well, Amory, I need a house at one week. Oh, okay. I'll put down. I remember, I think it was in February, I had a place to stay all through, like, October. I thought, great. What a blessing. I think, um, I think I moved, like, 86 times. What a blessing. Because my thought was, no matter where I go, how, how by me being there, how can I not only be a blessing, but is that person better off than I found them as a result of my words or my action? So every place I moved into, I remember, you know, we're great organizers. 
And I remember I walked into this one lady's house, and she was a little messy. And she's like, you know, you can stay in this room here, Amory, for about a month. And I said, okay. I said, you mind if I clean up a little bit? She said, no. So I helped her get organized. And you know what? When I left at the end of the month, I left her better off than I found her. Because that's what the program taught me. What a blessing. And then I'd, move to, I'd go to somebody else's house. And I'd go to someone else's house. And then I started house-sitting. And dog-sitting, and cat-sitting, and raccoon-sitting, and fish-sitting, and hamster-sitting. And Well, what a blessing, you know. Because what you realize is, is it's, not about, it's not about the stuff. Because I got stuff. It's a storage unit. Pay $250 a month for my stuff. Doesn't matter. Because it's knowing today where I stand, you know, and knowing who I am. And I get to stand in my circle with my God. And I'm not in your circle. Edith always used to say, stay in your circle with your God. Stay in your circle with your God. Because if you get out of your circle in somebody else's circle, he decides to shine a light on you, you're not going to be there. Nice way of saying, mind your business. I was like, okay. I'm like, I. So I learned to stay in my circle. Well, a while back, some one of the ladies that I had house sat for said, you know, Amir, are you still bouncing around? And I said, yeah. In the meantime, I'm suiting up and I'm showing up and I'm going to work and I'm doing my job. And I'm sponsoring and I'm going to meetings. Because it doesn't matter where I'm at. What matters is where I stand. I stand in my space and I know who I am. And who I am today is I'm a child of God. And who loves me. You know, Edith always used to say, you know, embrace all the wonderful and beauty that God has given you and all the gifts. So I went to this lady's house and her husband and, oh, it was perfect. I had my own room and bath and all this, and I thought, this is too perfect to be true. Because you know I'm in Al-Anon, so we got those little red flags that go up. And sure enough, after about a week, I noticed her husband was having a couple drinks here and there. I thought, okay. Well, of course I'm comfortable. I'm used to being in an alcoholic home, and that was an alcoholic home. So I lived there for about a year and a half, and I worked my program probably harder in that home than I did in my own home. And it was good, you know. Tried to do a 12-step, but I just talked about the program. And then the husband every once in a while would ask me where I'm going. I'd say, I'm going to a meeting. And he wouldn't say anything. I'm going to a meeting. And then one day he asked me, you know, what are these meetings you're going to? I said, Al-Anon. I said, because if I willingly surrender to the spiritual discipline of this program, I shall be transformed. And he didn't say anything. Then I went home this past uh, Thanksgiving. And when I went home, Edith said to me, you know, you can't go back there. I said, what do you mean you can't go back there? She said, can't go back there. It's not good for your recovery. I said, okay. So when I came back this past December, I thought, what am I going to do? Still looking for a place. So I reached out. And a friend said, Emory, how do you do this? And I said, I have faith. I have faith. And so I reached out. And so I've had a place to stay, you know, from December till now. And uh, I think I've moved seven times this time. But I was able to be of service and help people. So now when I go back, the wonderful thing is I actually have um, three choices of where I might be able to live. I have someone in the program who actually wants to room with me. I'm so upset it's not a guy. <laughs> We're working on it. Another is I have an older woman that I have to meet on Monday. She's about 92 years old, and she's looking for a housemate. And then um, I actually had an uh, interview with a, as a property manager uh, for a beautiful one-bedroom uh, rent-free. So they're going to let me know about that. What a blessing. But I'm okay. And that's great. 
And when people ask me, how you doing, I say, I'm okay. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, oh, are you kidding? That's great. I'm doing great. Okay is great. And that's what's wonderful about the program. I want to tell you a little joke. There's this, um, there's this little boy, and he's having dinner with his father, and the father makes him broccoli. And he's so excited, and he goes to the refrigerator, and he goes and he gets mayonnaise and ketchup and mustard and, you know, puts ice cream all on this dish and takes it out. And the father goes, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I just love my broccoli with ice cream and mayonnaise and mustard. And he starts dipping it all in, and he's eating it, and he's so happy. And, you know, every time he's dipping it and putting it in his mouth, his father looks at him and goes, oh, yuck. He goes, oh, yuck. And his dad keeps saying that, and he just is he's eating, he's having a great time. Finally, he looks at his dad, and he said, Dad, don't yuck on my yum. <laughs> and I thought, that's the program. You know, that's, to me, that was just such a beautiful metaphor of Al-Anon and AA. You know, don't yuck on my yum. You know? So today, today is good. I'm having a great day. And life is good because I have a program and I have tools. And it doesn't matter what problem I have because it's not a problem. There's a solution in every problem. You just have to find. You just have to find the blessing in it. And it doesn't matter what I wear or what car I drive. What matters is that the space in which I stand, I know who I am today, and I walk with God, and I keep God in my circle. And if there is a problem, then I get to seek someone out in a program who's gone through that, and I get to walk through that with them. I'm not the first person who's had a car accident. I'm not the first person who broke my leg. I'm not the first person who's lost a parent. I'm not the first person who's lost somebody who they've sponsored. I'm not the first person who, you know, had to ride the bus. I'm not the first person who ever went cross country. I'm not the first person who ever had, you know, lost my job. I'm not the first person who was on unemployment. I'm not the first person who then got a job. I'm not the first person who had an apartment. I'm not the first person who, I can go on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> Because guess what? Somebody has walked before me. What a blessing that a long-timer has walked through it with dignity and grace. So when I have a problem or a difficulty, I can reach out, not only to God, but I can reach out and ask and say, I've, I'm going through this. You know, it's like that wonderful... That wonderful saying about how the gentleman, he's in the hole, and the priest walks by and, you know, says, hey, he goes, help me out of this. And he goes, well, here, here's a prayer. And he throws him a prayer, you know, walks by. And then the police officer walks by and goes, oh, you know, here, here's some rules and throws it in. And all of a sudden, one of his friends walks by and he says, hey, help me out. And the guy jumps in with him and he goes, why did you jump in the hole with me? He said, because I know how to get out of here. You know, that's what al is. I get to walk through it. So some things I'm working on today. I'm working on my career. I'm working on a relationship. I've been with this gentleman 10 years, kind of off and on. He's another one. I need a list. I can't call him an alcoholic because he doesn't identify himself as an alcoholic. But I'm such a good FBI agent. I really think that he is. One of the other blessings of this program is um, my father was able to see me graduate. You know, I had gone to school um, when I was in New Jersey, and I left shy of three years. And um, uh, I left shy of three years. And uh, then ten years later, after I came back here to California, I decided to get my degree. And uh, my dad was able to be there for that. And that was really important for my father because he, he went to every single one of his children's graduations. And so that day was really special. You know, what a blessing. I just want to wrap it up because I'm, I'm looking at the time here. Um, 
And I just want to say um, that no, no matter what problem that you have, there's a solution. I may not know what the future holds, but I do know who holds the future, and that's the most important. It has been such a gift today to share with you and to share my experience and my hope and my strength with all of you. Newcomers, keep coming back. You know, it works if you work it. Um, I love you, and if nobody told you that today, um, I love you. I also want to say, um, if you're a newcomer, don't you leave here without giving me a hug. Because <laughs> I will track you down and I will beat you. <laughs> Thank you so much for letting me share. What a blessing.